Dennis Stewart, lovely to have you back. And last time you were here, we talked about uh, one of the herbs that grow by the wayside. I think sometimes they're referred to as weeds, aren't they? <laughs> that's, that's true. And I'm one of these people that defend the right to exist of weeds. At a time when we seem to be obsessed in getting rid of weeds, I'm their greatest defender. And the weed we spoke about last time was stinging nettle. stinging nettle. But you would like to um, perhaps tell us a little bit more about that and then move on to another wayside Another herb. one of my favourites, chickweed. But we'll reiterate a few things about nettle first. We've just had Steve on the phone from Lake Macquarie. And Dennis, Steve would like to know a little bit about the benefits of milk thistle. Okay. Milk thistle, as we refer to it as milk thistle, but um, it's also known as sow thistle, S-O-W, sow thistle. Its botanical name is Sonchus oleracea. Now, I know a lot about this um, herb from a, what you might call a, uh, a veterinary perspective. Now, that might sound a bit strange to listeners because I'm not a vet, but my dear wife and myself as part of our journey through life have had a lot to do with with small animals. In our younger days, we had a herd of goats and we learned a lot from them and they learned a lot from us too but I what think i they're found very small though are they <laughs> what was well, a whole story about that but um what we learned um about south thistle was this if we had a sick goat um there was almost an instinctive movement on the part of the goat to hunt up south thistle and I've had goats with very, very serial, uh, serious gastrointestinal conditions, some of them very toxic conditions that would previously have killed our goats. If we could get the goat to eat sow thistle, they would inevitably, certainly in the majority of cases, recover. So I, I throw that in because uh, many people keep animals increasingly, particularly small animals, um, and it's handy to know that this plant is instinctively sought out by animals and keepers of animals should be aware that the feeding of fresh sow thistle or milk thistle, uh, and by the way, sow thistle um, is sow thistle. There are a number of herbs called milk thistle, uh, things from chickweed onward, but I prefer to refer to sow thistle as, as, the, as the sow thistle. Uh, I don't call it milk thistle, although it does exude a typical white latex, but from a, a listener's perspective, as far as I'm concerned, based on many, many years of working with this herb, it should be fed, in my opinion, to all animals as part of their diet, and with any sick animal, whether it be a rabbit or whether it be a goat, and I've kept many of both of those, this herb will, in most cases, lead to a resolution of, of, the, of the condition. Now, also, interestingly, it's not popularly used as an edible herb uh, amongst Anglo-Saxons, but in the days of the Romans, it was used as a herb, a pot herb, if you like, a herb that was eaten, and a herb that had remarkable effects on the liver. And it's interesting today that in Chinese herbal medicine, Sonchus oleracea, or sow thistle, or what this gentleman has referred to as milk thistle, it's still popularly used in Chinese medicine, particularly to address conditions of the liver and the gallbladder, the gallbladder particularly. Now, this is interesting because 
Sow thistle, like many herbs, has a very bitter taste. Bitter-tasting herbs have a renowned and known uh, and, and defined indication for helping liver and gallbladder function. And I suspect that uh, this herb, used in the past more popularly by our ancients, if you like, was used because many conditions would be associated with dysfunction of the gallbladder and probably in the case of the Romans, in case, <laughs> the liver also would be given a bit of a belting. So uh, we're, we're thinking orgies here, uh, aren't we? Well, we could go as far as that. <laughs> They're pretty good at that also. What I would say to this, this caller was this. Um, for those listeners that have been interested, particularly this uh, gentleman or, or lady that's rang up, for those that are interested in this sort of knowledge and information about some of these common wayside herbs. And by the way, this herb grows prolifically now at this time of the year. It's fresh, um, it's, it's, it's flowering, it's a good time to get it before it gets uh, too hot. But don't overlook the reference that I've mentioned when I've been doing this series of working through weeds, that remarkable little book, How to Enjoy Your Weeds, by that fascinating English lady, Audrey Hatfield. She would have passed on by now. But I keep saying, and I will say it till I've finished my career, that those people that have done most to defend uh, traditional herbalism and the use of plants and weeds in, in nutrition and in health have been English ladies, usually coming from what you might call, and I don't say this in any elitist way, but coming from a, a how can you call it, a middle-class background and sometimes higher. They have been our greatest defenders. And Audrey Hatfield was one of those ladies, fellow of the Royal Horticultural Society, a lovely book. And on page 84 of that book, for the person that rang in, there's the commencement of a discussion on what you call milk thistle, but which is technically and called up in this book as sow thistle. So sow thistle mm. is spelt S-O-W. S-O-W, sow thistle. because sows eat it That's probably right. at some That's stage. That's correct. Because it's good for them. But, but also, this also emphasises a point that listeners have probably picked up in my discussion. It's just as easy when you're dealing with a herb to get to know its botanical name. Yes. Because there are many herbs that share a common name, but each herb only has one botanical name. That way there can be no confusion. There are many thistles. There is a south thistle, but it's best to refer to it as Sonchus oleracea. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. <laughs> we will remember that. Health naturally on to a new RFM. Dennis Stewart, we're talking about weeds. We are. We are. And a weed is a weed, but to many of us, it's more than just a weed. And I reiterate my mission is to support the right to exist of every weed that was ever put on the planet. And, and because uh, everywhere I go, and my dear wife and family will, will vouch for this, everywhere I go I'm more interested in looking at the wayside than the wonderful scenery that might exist at a larger level. I'm looking for things like the chickweed, uh, looking for things like uh, south thistle, looking for things like St Mary's thistle. And by the way, Jane, in, in the Hunter, and particularly at this time of the year, um, there is a magnificent uh, movement of many wayside herbs, uh, which makes it fascinating uh, to be able to identify them and collect them. And years ago, there'll be some listeners who will vouch for this. Perhaps Danny and the Atherton might recollect the, the occasions when we went on field excursions 
and Bob in Melbourne who listens to it would know the field excursion we did down there in a postgraduate course where many of us went and collected these weeds and then looked at their remarkable virtues and how that many of them are now the, the mainstay of modern Western herbal medicine. Mm. So um, I, I take issue when people, how can you call it, speak disparagingly of weeds. Okay, there's a need at times to control them. I accept that. But we should never, in my opinion, it's an opinion, we should never set out to destroy these things entirely. Mm, a and, very strong point of view on that, Jane, as you and, picked up. <laughs> well, yeah, might have guessed that. And some of them look very pretty as well. well. They do. Well, uh, one that um, is, it would be popping up now would be St Mary's thistle, also known as variegated thistle, a curse to the farmer because it can take over acres and acres of lands, but it grows on the wayside, a beautiful spiky um, thistle, um, St Mary's thistle, Saliba marianum, uh, variegated thistle because it leaf, its leaf is uh, variegated, a white um, st- streak through it. That is one of the most important herbs that grow in this region. And um, in, in herbal medicine, I would put it to you that that weed, if you want to call it, that weed is probably the most important remedy that Western herbalists have to address various liver pathologies. Mm. Uh, St Mary's thistle, Saliva marianum, uh, globe artichoke and dandelion are three most important remedies that I use in my practice so regularly that without them, I, I couldn't practice. The interesting thing is that many of these weeds that we're talking about uh, are, are collected, grown actually around the world as cash crops and many of them become starting material for sophisticated natural medications that uh, flourish in our health food stores and pharmacies. So you can see a weed might start off in the wayside, Jane, but it might end up in your belly as a tablet or a capsule (laughs) from a pharmaceutical company. (laughs) Well, chickweed is one of your favourites. Look, it is. And it's a wayside herb. We can call it that. And look, I've had some recent experiences with chickweed. Listeners might be interested one of the things that, that many um, Western herbalists, such as myself, see are skin conditions. Skin conditions can be stubborn. Uh, 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 even dermatologists would agree with us on this. And in my opinion, frequently, uh, it becomes an art form as to um, drawing on remedies that might be able to help a condition. And we see a disproportionately large percentage of people presenting with chronic, stubborn skin conditions that have proved defiant to mainstream applications. And recently, I had a gentleman that um, presented with what we call pruritus, which is overall itch condition of the skin. And he'd been using a lot of topicals um, with some degree of success, but not greatly. I prescribed some oral medication for him that didn't go very far. And in our consultation history, I eventually um, prescribed for him a very simple preparation of chickweed, which I mentioned to listeners. And it was what we call the infused oil of chickweed, an inexpensive preparation that's in my dispensary. And I said, look, try some of this. Do it for a couple of weeks. Let's have a meeting in a couple of weeks to see how you've gone. The infused oil of chickweed 
the most inexpensive of all substances in my dispensary, in two weeks carried out a resolution of that itching skin condition that my oral prescribing, the treatment of dermatologists had not been able to achieve, mm. chickweed uh, for pruritus is well known, well known in the literature, but uh, to many of my colleagues that, that listen to the program, it's not used enough because we're all, not all of us, but there's a tendency to bypass, Jane, some of these simple herbs mm. uh, to more flamboyant and better labelled and better documented more technically chickweed oil changed this uh, gentleman's life which is not surprising very quickly I'll also say that when I came back from Morunga many years ago and set up practice in Church Street I remember a little boy that came to see me he was about 10 or 12 and he had um, he had psoriasis on his back and on, on his trunk it was pretty nasty and his dear mother brought him to see me and I prescribed herbs to be taken orally as every herbalist would do based on our tradition and our knowledge and the literature and I also prescribed some chickweed oil to use topically and uh, I said look give it a try I said uh, psoriasis is a stubborn condition to treat I said let's have a meeting in a month to see how you go in a month's time he came back but this time his dad came back and I thought, oh, okay, I could be in trouble here. But no, I said, I said to um, his father, I said, uh, oh, how's he doing? And his father said, oh, remarkably well. I said, oh, I said, so he's been able to take the herbs, has he? Oh, no, he wouldn't take the herbs. He, he wouldn't take the medicine. He couldn't handle the taste. But that chickweed oil cleared up his skin like nothing on earth. So <laughs> now for listeners who want to make up uh, the infused oil of chickweed, it's as simple as you could possibly imagine. Get a handful of fresh chickweed, break it up into small parts, put it into a wide mouth jar and pour on olive oil and then just set it in the sun for and a couple that, of weeks. That does the trick. It does the trick. The warmth of the sun uh, and the, the, the solvent olive oil that, that gathers out of the herb all the activity and what you're left with, with a, is a, a, a yellow-coloured oil and that oil is filtered off from the herb. Now, the, it, it's very stable. Uh, olive oil, in the proportion that it's in, uh, stabilises it. It's not taken orally, and it's very useful to have around the household um, to address itch conditions that are stubborn and not, you know, not responsive to more flamboyant and modern approaches. And chickweed, is that out at the moment? Ah, now this is the other point. This is the other point. I have a, a dear listener, Yvonne, she listens to this program on Wallenby Road, a dear friend of, of uh, myself and my dear wife, Ruth. Ruth uh, purchases uh, some of uh, Yvonne's lovely flowers at the right time of the year, and we purchase frequently some of the, the vegetables that she and her brother, uh, one of the few remaining uh, market gardeners that I know of on, on, on the area. And Yvonne is a great fan of natural medicine, and um, has a remarkable garden that uh, has everything in it that you can imagine. And uh, I said to Yvonne the other day, I said, keep your eye opening for at this time of the year, Yvonne. I said, I'm going to make some more chickweed products, particularly chickweed oil. She said, I've been pulling it out. I've been pulling it out. There's so much of it. And, and sure enough, in the shady part of, of Yvonne's house was the chickweed. So I will hopefully 
uh, sometime this week, Yvonne, get up there to just check the bees with you. We have one beehive there. Yvonne is a very keen beekeeper, and I'll, I'll be out there to have a look at the hive for you, but I'll also be out there to get the chickweed. Replenish. It's out at this time of the year. It's it out is at this out. time of the year. Right, so this is a good time. So it's when the flowers are flowering? Yes, look, it, 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 this is a good time of the year for it because even though it grows all year round in cooler climates, here when it gets really hot, it's just burnt. But now it would be there in its lovely uh, light green leaf growing close to the ground, little white flowers. Don't confuse it, listeners, with um, what sometimes is referred to chickweed, uh, which uh, has a yellow flower. That is not chickweed. That shouldn't be eaten. But chickweed is a well-known herb, light green in colour, likes shady area and good soil and has a, a brilliant little uh, white flower on it. Chickweed is an amazing plant. We've only started on it. Health Naturally on 2NURFM. Chickweed is the subject today and mm. Dennis is telling us lots of interesting facts about it. We've talked mm. about chickweed as a topical application yes. for itchy skins. Sure. But well, there's more. There is. When we talk about topical applications, uh, listeners might be a little bit um, at sea as to what we mean. When we talk about a topical preparation, that is something that is applied to the skin, infused oil of chickweed would be a topical preparation of chickweed. Chickweed, by the way, is botanically known as Stellaria, S-T-E-L-L-A-R-I-A, Stellaria, but also... One thing that needs to be mentioned before we move on to look about its other unique characteristics is that it, it is probably outside of an infused oil preparation one of the most useful preparations as an ointment or a cream. As an ointment, um, in my opinion, it was made famous in this country by one of my graduates many years ago, um, a, 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 a lovely lady called Robin Kirby. I haven't seen Robin for years. Um, she became actually the first uh, woman president of the National Herbalist Association and did a great deal of work in establishing the, that association as one of the premier natural medicine associations. She became a great uh, user of chickweed and she and I, in her little farmhouse in uh, Carrington Road, Arimba, began to make chickweed ointment based on the formulations um, in the text entitled Herbal Medication from um, Priest and Priest. Uh, Alfred Priest and his daughter wrote a remarkable text which has been used by the National Institute of Medical Herbalists as well as herbal institutions in this country uh, to teach the, the basic pharmacy associated with converting herbs into sophisticated topicals. She and I developed... Uh, the chickweed ointment, um, if, according to the formulations in that text, and we actually made it, believe it or not, on her um, combustion stove in Carrington Road. And uh, we used it uh, in our own practices. She used it more than what I did initially with great success. We, um, there was such a demand for it, Jane, that um, we began um, to supply it uh, to various outlets and we thought, hello, here's our trip to the Riviera coming up here. But we didn't, we didn't realise, and this is going back probably oh, close to 30 years ago now, 
we didn't realise that you had to have appropriate licences to manufacture preparations like herbal creams. So inevitably, we were to use the term, we were busted in a nice way and told, OK, you've got a good product, but uh, really it has to be manufactured um, by a pharmaceutical group, a company. And that was fine. We took that on board. We could still make it for our own use, but we sold it off to a well-known Queensland company that I was associated with that took it to a, a wonderful conclusion. So that uh, we shouldn't underestimate the more sophisticated preparations of chickweed, particularly the ointments and the cream, and for practitioners out there like Danny and Bob in Melbourne and, and others, priest and priest work on uh, called herbal medication. Uh, you would know that I've lectured on it in both in Melbourne and in Brisbane. Still the great text for learning about chickweed as a topical preparation. Ah, but let's go a little bit further. With reference to chickweed, in um, Woodley Hatfield's book, she rightly points out that one of its remarkable uses is as a food. And the dear lady has some remarkable information there on simply using chickweed as a member of the salad spectrum of vegetables. In other so words, just in a salad? Absolutely. Fresh chickweed hmm. in, in a salad, very edible and very, very tasty. And also she goes a, a further and says that on, on school lunches, now, I can't see everyone round here diving to put their, their chickweed on kids' salads, although they might not know what's on it and might enjoy it, so long as it is chickweed, by the way. But it's used as a, a salad vegetable, a food to be used in multiple ways. It can actually be cooked as a pot herb uh, with other things like peas and beans and things like that. To give so, it a bit of extra flavour. Absolutely. Mm. So there's a wayside herb at a time when people are... Uh, groaning at the at the burden of the cost associated with many uh, vegetables and we yes. see in our supermarkets. Yes. I say this quite seriously. There's a whole food supply out there, yes. a whole food supply. Um, in fact, I could take people tomorrow around the hunter and they could come away with a basket full of food that would last them for a week and it would cost them nothing. Oh, you might be in great demand, Dennis. <laughs> now, one thing also that uh, needs to be taken on board about this herb, I spoke earlier about Sanchez oleracea, a South Thistle, and its unique association uh, with veterinary use. Uh, sure, we mentioned that it had a role to play in, in, in herbalism, uh, human herbalism, uh, but with reference to chickweed, there is a large reputation of the specificity of this herb as a food for for birds. And I was looking, before I came to the program today, I was looking at a, a herbal written years ago, um, a very good herbal written by a British doctor. This would only be about 100 years ago this was written by Dr. Fernie. He was a, a, a GP, but like many GPs at that time, went on to study homeopathy in which they were introduced to many herbs. And I read his little section on chickweed and I jotted it down quickly. I hope I could read it. He, he mentions here that he said it, it serves as a food for small birds such as finches and linnets. Now, listeners wouldn't know what a linnet is. A linnet is a green finch, we call it in Australia. It's an introduced English bird. You see it at, at sales. I love them at a time when, when, again, they're trying to be destroyed as a noxious bird. 
uh, like goldfinches. They're mm. also an introduced bird. I actually love them. And chickweed was one of them. And Turner, who was a an English uh, herbalist years ago, wrote a, a herbal in which it was stated, little birds in cages are refreshed with chickweed when they loathe their food. And the, Now, what does this mean? In other words, just as uh, something like a sick goat... People wonder what we're talking about today. Just as we mentioned, a sick goat will will naturally uh, seek out uh, south thistle. So with birds, this is a natural food for them that they will go to in preference to what you put in their seed tray. Now, I've done many things in in my life, probably too many things. They've all been interesting uh, and I've learned from them. But uh, in our family home in Gosford for years, we had a bird room in which we bred Goulian finches. Uh, we bred them in a, in a modern way, uh, not in outdoor aviaries, but in a controlled environment, and we did very well with them. But what we found out was that Goulian finches have a predilection for two foods. I hope listeners know what a Goulian finch is. Well, it's pretty special, isn't they're, it? They're very special. Uh, if you haven't seen one, get on the net and look at them. We, we underestimate the beauty of, of, of some of our bird life in this country. The Goulian finch would have to be one of the most beautiful birds on the planet. Two things about it I learnt, uh, and I pass this on to many bird breeders out there that would probably be listening to this. Goulians go for two things. That is eggshell, particularly eggshell, that is a fresh eggshell. You break an egg, you use the egg yourself, but the eggshell with its dripping albumin coming from it, put that into, into a Goulian cage, and they'll raise it like a hawk. They love it, and so it's, it's very good for their, for their calcium and their egg, egg production. Ah, but you put chickweed in their cage, and you've got a friend for life. They, they just love it more than any other food. So chickweed, <laughs> chickweed has multiple benefits, a, a remarkable agent for skin conditions, a simple preparation, the infused oil, a more sophisticated preparation, chickweed ointment for things like eczema and dermatitis and nappy rash. Chickweed also is a salad vegetable. Ah, but don't forget, chickweed also is one of God's remarkable foods for remarkable creatures such as the Goulian finch. <laughs> Health naturally at the moment on 2 and URFM. And Peter has rung in from Fishing Point. Now, Peter, you've got a couple of questions you'd like to put to Dennis Stewart. Yeah, mate. Yeah, if I can. Yeah, Go good. for it. Hello, Peter. How are you going, Dennis? Good, good. How can good. I help you? Mate, um, I've got fairly bad nerve damage in in my from um, a couple of spinal problems. Um, and I'm just wondering if there's a... Um, a herb or a, a mixture or or even vitamins um, that can assist in maybe helping your nerves or or is that not possible? What you you have nerve damage that's affected affected your mot- mobility? Yeah, mate. My I've got um, it. It gives me drop foot and, um, yeah. and I've got my my legs. Uh, fairly numb from the knees down and um, I've been doing a little bit of reading about it and I don't, I don't know whether um, there's anything that can help that or not. Uh, Peter, I doubt whether there's yep. anything in, in, in my system of medicine that could help that. 
Yeah, um, that's fair enough. Herbs can do many things, but obviously, in a condition like this where there is actual damage, um, your neurologist, your physiotherapist, uh, mainstream medicine has probably got more to offer than than what I have. Uh, so unfortunately, with reference to that, I, I can't help you. Right. Yep. That's unfortunately, fair unfortunately. Um, now we're onto a um, problem. My wife has yes. with, with um, itchy skin, yes. like in the midriff area, and we're just listening about the the chickweed. And I was wondering whether whether you do a preparation like the cream. Do you sell the cream or chickweed preparations are? Readily, well, should be readily available uh, in your local health food store. Uh, and as I say to people, always favour outlets um, before you go outside your own area. If you can't procure it there, well, certainly from my new Lambton rooms, rooms would be able to help you. But with every itch condition, just to say something about it, Peter, for every itch condition, it should necessarily uh, be looked at and a diagnosis are given to it because itches can be associated with many medical conditions. I'm presuming that your uh, dear wife has been uh, investigated medically and has been treated, but apparently uh, unsuccessfully. Is that the situation? Yeah, that um, she's had various creams yes. uh, um, sort of uh, suggested to her, but, yeah. but nothing seems to... Okay. Has she been has she been diagnosed with an eczema or a dermatitis or is it just uh, just an itch condition what we call pruritus? Well, that's that's yeah. I, I've never heard of pruritus. Okay. But well, that's just that, a technical term for an itch condition uh, that is not related to any specific condition. Itches yep. itches can occur on the body as a result of stress, anxiety, contact factors. And as I said at the beginning of the program, they can be difficult to treat. Chickweed and chickweed oil, in my opinion, would be a useful thing. Uh, now, if if you can't get hold of it, we can help you out. But as I've said, go to your health food store first or to compounding pharmacist and see if they have or can make you some chickweed oil. Um, that would be worthwhile trying. Let me just say in the manufacture of any topical application, even at the domestic level, it must be done in a very hygienic way. So yeah. it's probably better if you're wanting to harness the action of chickweed to make sure that it's been manufactured properly by a competent medical herbalist or a pharmacist. But I would think that it would be a useful starting point. But just as an aside, just as an aside, I've always had great um, regard for one of the oldest um, anti-itch remedies, and that is uh, itch remedies c containing pine tar. Now, yeah. your pharmacist would know exactly what I'm talking about. I can't mention the name of the product on radio, but he knows what I'm talking about if you went to him and say Dennis Stewart was talking about a pine tar preparation that can be used very successfully for itches or pruritic conditions. It is not an expensive preparation. Pine tar products... Uh, are one of the oldest means of alleviating itch conditions. And you're talking to someone who was introduced to the benefits of pine tar preparations when, as a very young man, um, I contracted uh, eczema. And uh, one of the things that I frequently used uh, were, was a pine tar preparation that gave me great relief and participated in my recovery from it. 
So there are two things, um, chickweed oil, certainly, but also have a yarn with your pharmacist. He will know what I'm talking about. The preparation I'm talking about will come as a lotion or as a, as a bath um, preparation. Uh, I think if you haven't tried that, it might be worthwhile giving that consideration. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Excellent. Well, well, all the very best with that, Peter, and for you and for your wife, I suppose. Hmm. Uh, Kate joins us on Health Naturally now from Charlestown. Kate, we've been talking about chickweed, and you've got something you'd like to add to the discussion. Yes. Um, Dennis, when you were speaking about it with the birds, it took yes. me back to when I was a kid yes. and my grandmother um, lived in Tyres Hill and I stayed with her a lot. Yes. And we'd walk down to the butchers and on the way to or from, we'd collect chickweed yeah, um, because yeah. she had an outdoor aviary yes. of canaries and budgies. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so, you know, it's been around for a long time and she used to get it and feed it to them and they devour it. So they it's did, not they did. in finches. <laughs> oh, that's, that, that's, that's lovely to hear because... Um, in those days, of course, there there would be there'd be patches around where she lived, where wayside herbs w- would naturally grow. I wonder whether in in a in the in the urban environment today that that is still the situation. It probably still is. If you look for it, you'll find it. But um, I'm impressed because uh, your dear grandmother knew something about the benefit of the herb, which comes from basically. Uh, our English background, where it was very popularly used, as, as I've said, uh, a, a food to give uh, to, to finches, to linnets. And remember, the canary is really a finch, and um, okay, yeah. it, it thrives on it. And uh, one of my missions at this very late stage of my life is to try to get canary breeding re-established more fervently. I love canaries, and I um, as, just as a quick aside... As a young guy, uh, going to, to Tech High, it was called on those days. Wednesday, we used to go to Merriweather Baths as our sports day. And coming home, I used to pass uh, a little house that's still there, although it's been modified, in which a northern Englishman lived. And he was a canary breeder. And he used to breed what he refers to as Norwich canaries. And I got to know him very well. And I used to call in there and we'd spend hours and hours in his bird room, working class men in those days had a fascination with canaries and, and one guy that I knew in Broadmeadow, a typical labour man, grew gladiolis. But getting back to the canaries, he bred, he bred Norwich canaries as he pronounced it and introduced me to the English magazine called Cage Birds, uh, which is yeah. still one of the best magazines you can get. He carried on that tradition uh, that came out here with many of the uh, of the English immigrants after the Second World War, and your grandmother um, picked up obviously on that tradition that comes from the old country of feeding chickweed to canaries and other finches as almost necessary food. Wonderful. Well, to hear. you've educated me because I just thought it was a weed that used to grow <laughs> in front of people's yards and in cracks and footpaths and things like that. Well, it, so it, I, it probably I does, but take take on my challenge today. I, yeah, well, I found it really interesting <laughs> listening to all the uses about yeah. it. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's yeah. the same the same weed we used to collect. So, well, I'll tell you, my, I'll tell you something that uh, might uh, interest you. I'll talk about it either next week or the week after. But 
the famous city of Melbourne and you talk to Victorians and Melbourne is almost the Athens of Australia, but uh, Melbourne is named after a herb. And I'll talk about that herb when we meet in a couple of weeks' time. It has a fascinating history, but the herb, considered to be a weed which grows everywhere, was one of the staple vegetables of uh, English people up until a couple of hundred years ago. Melbourne was named after it. A weed should not be despised. We've depended on them for food in the past. They're good food today. They're all around us. And we shouldn't succumb to this idea that, that weeds are nasty things that necessarily have to be got rid of. I'm all for control but it'll be a sad day when we get rid of all weeds. Yes, and I do remember mm. one of our callers the other day said something about weeds are just something that grow well where <laughs> you don't want them to. <laughs> That's a good point too. <laughs> so maybe we will um, want them to, and then, of course, they'll find it hard. <laughs> well, I've been evangelising the, yes. the role of weeds today. Listeners would have picked up on that. I'll probably get shot down by every council in Newcastle, but they know where I'm coming from. So chickweed's been the topic today, and today. I'm sure you'll have another great we'll herb a, for we'll us coming up next week. Particularly from Audrey Hatfield's book, How to Enjoy Your Weeds. Excellent. And thank you, Dennis Stewart, for Health Naturally today. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.